You have now entered the Paradigm Shift, hosted by my beloved brother Yakim. Thank y'all for tuning in to this special presentation of Paradigm Shift. I am your beloved host, brother Yakim, and this show has been brought to you by AnchorFM.com. I want to thank everybody once again for tuning in to this broadcast. I have a wonderful special guest for you guys today, and we're going to be having a dialogue going into the laws of alchemy and if to see if alchemy is of the scriptures, the holy scriptures that we call the Bible today. Uh, I'm going to introduce my guest, uh, Brother K. Wallace. K. Wallace, how hey, you doing, brother? Nice to meet you, and uh, thank y'all for tuning in today and letting me be a part of this. I'm glad to be here. Um, hopefully, I can uh, give you uh, what you're looking for and, and be informative enough because um, I am just a student. I am not a teacher of alchemy. Um, I try to be as studious as possible. So, I mean, I do have some good tidbits for you today. Um, go ahead. All right. Um, before we get into the, uh, your presentation, um, just want to uh, get the my audience uh, familiar with uh, alchemy, you know, just a basic, basic overview, and then we can go into your presentation. And then, um, and also, uh, we'll be going, I want you to go into how this, how alchemy and the science that you subscribe to uh, correlates with the, uh, with the Bible and so forth. And then I will go into my presentation and so forth. So, um, without further ado, um, my first question is what made you get into this uh, science called alchemy you know um, I'm a big uh, believer in uh, everything happens for a reason and more or less life at the time it kept giving me uh, signs so to speak um, numerical signs uh, I was actually uh, into numerology at the time and my numerological number from birth is the number seven which is known um, as the number of the scholar, the philosopher, and the alchemist. And after I'd found that out, um, I was I became real interested um, with philosophy, and um, I started researching, you know, philosophy, and um, came up, uh, upon this uh, whole alchemy, and um, it was intriguing because um, I found. Um, I found that it, it was a real thing, very well did go on, and um, it was a, um, they call magical, but was chemistry. Um, uh, what I was more worried about was the, um, the disinformation, more or less, that they had put on it. So um, I was wondering why the disinformation, you know, and if, if they're, you know, if it's going to be so speculated on, then what's, you know, what's there to hide, or what truth, you know, could this lead to? So um, hopefully that the, the truths that I've found here today will help you um, ultimately reach your personal truths. Okay, sounds good. Um, my next question is, uh, what is the objective of, of alchemy? Um, in root, the, um, the objective of alchemy is to purify um, the matter in which um, you're working with. Uh, that could be yourself, that could be a physical object, um, and I mean, it can be even just be pure, you know, just philosophical. Um, it's meant, you know, so that 
whoever um, uses the proper method and the practice will be able to uh, attain purity out of out of uh, any element that you um, attain or intend to use. Okay, good. That was a good answer. All right. My next question: um, What books or scholars on the subject matter do you subscribe to? Um, most definitely would have to be um, anything 16th century or earlier um, is what I would recommend. Um, after the 16th century, a lot of stuff started starts to get kind of muddied um, and very um, confusing to an extent. I mean, I guess I guess I could say, um, but. If I was gonna throw anybody out there, it'd probably be for sure uh, Paracelsus. Um, any older text that you can find um, relating to Thoth or Hermes, um, I would totally um, look into that because I, I study a lot. A, a good keyword, for example, would be to look up Thoth Hermes Trismegistus. Um, that's um, Thoth Hermes uh, thrice greatest is what it means. Okay, that sounds good. Um. So, my next question to you: uh, What are the physical science uh, benefits of alchemy? The the physical science benefits would to be um, they practice they uh, essentially using uh, an alchemical process. You could take a medicine and make it better. Um, you could, for example, um, a lot of a lot of uh, practice common today is that you can take a substance and um, extract and concentrate a certain part out of it and make it more potent. But there's an, a study or an alchemical process in which they believed that after set, separating the, um, the spirit from the body, so to speak, the, the salts that are left over are what they refer to as that body. So that only by re-adhering the body and the spirit and combining them back together does it increase and give its true full potency. So they practiced, in essence, I guess you would say, that by um, combining the two and not leaving anything left over is more beneficial than um, assuming that you've extracted the better parts alone. All right. And what are the spiritual or metaphysical benefits of alchemy? Um, the main objective um, in spiritual alchemy is to um, work with your soul. It's all um, geared towards your spirit and uh, the cleanliness of it. Um, trying to purify your heart and your, you know, your mind, so that um, your your soul can, uh, I guess, move move more freely. You know, and uh, you can see clearer as one of the things that they said. All right, that sounds good. And um, we're going to start off with this question before you get into your presentation. Okay. Um, what is the concept of the Philosopher's Stone? Okay, um, the concept of the Philosopher's Stone is, um, it's more or less, it's an omnipresent, um, and uh, what they said, like, um, the fifth element is what it's also been referred to as, or the, the uh, life element. Um, the Philosopher's Stone, I guess, in root would be life itself, is what they've uh, touted. But um, the Philosopher's Stone, um, it really, um, if you look up any description of it in anything older, it um, states that it wasn't a stone at all. 
and um, the only description I had found actually of it was um, it looked more so than blood than our own um, and I find that mighty curious you know um, granted some other things that I've learned I'll actually go into but um, the for the most part though um, the Philosopher's Stone um, was, the goal was life itself life itself okay mm-hmm. interesting and um, my last question before you get into your presentation have you ever read the Corpus Hermeticum um, no I have not but I, I intend to okay alright well those um, questions was to lay a basic foundation for, uh, for you listening audience out there so I hope you're taking notes um, before we get into the presentation I would like everybody to get a pen a piece of paper out get your holy scriptures out because I will be going into uh, the scriptures highly in depth on this um, particular uh, broadcast. So I want everybody to follow through with with us, and uh, we're going to make this thing pop. All right. So without further ado, brother, um, you can go ahead and get into your presentation and uh, bring this information mm-hmm. to the people. All righty. So um, I guess I'm going to start off. I'm just going to start from the beginning here. It says the goal of the great work of alchemy. I know we kind of went over this. Just bear with me is uh, also called the great art it is the uh, philosopher's stone which is a magical touchstone that could perfect immediately any substance of situation and it has been associated with the salt of the world the astral body the elixir and even um, Jesus Christ so with that being said after I had found that that had been um, assimilated with Jesus Christ himself and being um, more acquainted with the um, the Christian Bible, um, I went to look up and see what I could find out about it. And um, in the Great Hermetic Arcanum, it states, um, "Let the studious reader have a care of the manifold significations of words, for by deceitful windings and doubtful, yea, contrary speeches, as it should seem." philosophers wrote their mysteries with the desire of veiling and hiding yet not of sophisticating or destroying the truth and though their writings abound with ambiguous and equivocal words yet about none do they more contend than in hiding their golden branch now I wanted to say that because this this is going to let you know a lot of what you're going to be dealing with Um, I know that the first time I heard this paragraph, it came off um, a little confusing, you know, just to comprehend all in one fell stroke. So um, that's kind of the way in which they word all of their notations, all of um, any of their comments. They're they're very hidden. So, I mean... um, So it's more like a esoteric language. Yes, I mean... Codified. It can be translated in more than one way at the same time. So um, be careful um, at what you're looking or how you're looking at something um, because it, it could affect, you know, um, it could affect the outcome. I mean, you might not get the right end result if you're not looking at the words and, and thinking uh, with a broad enough spectrum or an open mind. So um, keep, an, uh, keep an open mind whenever you're hearing some things because. You know, whenever they uh, say they contend in hiding their golden branch, 
they're not talking about a golden tree branch, you know, and they might talk about a red bird, and they're not talking about a red bird. Right. It's um, uh, anthropomorphic. Exactly. You know, yeah. uh, uh, allegorical science. Yes. You know, we have that in our scriptures. Um, uh, we have it a whole lot in the book of Daniel, where it refers to the four beasts, you know, and, you know, the four beasts is not talking about animals, four animals, although it's using animals to describe a certain uh, uh, certain events that's, that will happen in the future. Right. You know, so when it's dealing with the four beasts, it's not talking about four literal beasts, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's talking about the events, you know, and what's about to happen to these um, uh, nations. So, uh, go, buddy, go ahead, brother. All right. Um, so, um, I wrote down, uh, I got this passage, all right, from the, from the, uh, it's, from the Christian Bible, uh, Proverbs 3, uh, it's 13 through 12, okay? Uh, Proverbs 3, hold on, let me get that, let me get that, I, I got my book out right now. You said Proverbs 3? Yes. All right, let's see here. It's verses, um, 13 through 20. 13 through 20? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, and then in, uh, in the Christian Bible, it reads, Blessed is the man who finds wisdom the man who gains understanding for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold she is more precious than rubies and nothing you desire can compare with her long life is in her right hand in her left hand are riches and honor her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace she is a tree of life to those who embrace her those who lay hold of her will be blessed. By wisdom, the Lord lay, laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. And by his knowledge, the deeps were divided and the clouds let drop the dew. Now, see, the reason that I find this important is because in alchemy, um, of course, there is a, a chemistry aspect or a chemical aspect. And um, they, they practice that everything that you read can be performed chemically um, for example um, it says by wisdom the Lord layeth the earth's foundations so that meant that you know the, the starting elements is to be controlled you're supposed to know and to put forth the right foundation uh, it says by understanding he set the heavens in place and that means by understanding what you're working with you can allow um, the spirit to separate from the body and therefore reaching the heavens um, in the containment so this would be the heavens of a containment not like as in the sky just to, just to be thorough there alright now um, when it says by his knowledge the deeps were divided and the clouds let drop the dew that could be um, held uh, in the same as uh, a chemistry setup where you uh, let the uh, evaporative uh, emissions you condense you know through the condenser and then drip back down you know on the uh, other side so so you're saying uh, verse 20 you, you, you're, uh, you're speaking about in verse 20 where it says um, through his knowledge the depths were cleaved and the heavens drip dew yes Is that what you're referring to yes that, okay. right, that right there um, in alchemy or knowing what I've come to understand in alchemy that right there it just screams uh, a process you know it, it's, it's, it speaks of uh, an operation it may be hinting or um, insin insinuating at, at maybe a aspect or the whole aspect of the great work 
Okay. Alright, with that being said, though, um, let me go on here. Okay, the elixir of the alchemist um, has essentially the same ability to perfect any substance. So, um, when applied to the human body, the elixir that you obtain is supposed to cure any disease and restore your youth. Uh, what I find uh, kind of curious about that is they said that when you would know whenever you completed the great work and you attained it because you could take a dead plant and then pour this onto the dead plant and the plant would come back to life. Okay. And uh, they stated that it could be visibly um, dead as well. Like it's visibly, you know, um, fra frail and dried up and you add this to it and then it gets its moisture and its color back. So. Okay. Um, another thing is um, anything that you read in on alchemy as far as the actual process goes you can study um, there was one there was one st thing I was studying where it was a process of taking a mason jar a glass mason jar and you add certain parts of air earth water and fire to the mixture and when you do that you set it you know in a way like a windowsill so it has the fire element Essentially, what you're doing is um, you're creating your own little micro planet, and um, the 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 purpose of this is because they say that they they argue that evolution and you know um, religions they're not supposed to be different, and they are the uh, not that they're the same. Um, I guess what I'm saying is that neither one of them are as wrong as they are right is what they stated um, so what I'm trying to say by that is whenever um, they say that oh evolution is is what happens you know and it doesn't make sense with us evolution isn't what happened with it we didn't evolve like a natural uh, process it actually takes a long time to do that right we were most definitely placed here right with purpose mm-hmm and intention so no doubt I mean there's a reason for our existence we don't fit that um, whole scope of things of course is why religion is here but alright the the reason I'm telling you this is because alchemy kind of bridges those two together mm -hmm. it um, it shows you the scientific side of religion and um, it's kind of opened my eyes to the more that I feel like the more that I understand science and religion together or try to make them work the more truth I find right and um, I, it amazes me uh, the uh, the thing about okay so I'm getting kind of off off track here. I've got so much going through my head yeah alright so um, a good thing to state would be whenever you're looking into scriptures and words um, if you find something and um, if it is of truth and of a great importance, uh, be careful who you who you um, intend to, to give that information to. Because one of the biggest things that I found numerous times over many different um, authors' teachings and writings, uh, no matter who they were, they all specified that um, if the wrong person or a person of evil heart or evil intent was to get a hold and uh, is actually the whole purpose in them being so um, just you know um, what is right it? I, I get what you're saying uh, because um, in our tradition you know um, 
<clears throat> the Israelite tradition, which is the written Torah and the oral Torah, which we call the Mishnah or the Gotamera. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the oral Torah, it explains that the high priests were the only ones to have this uh, science, this divine science. We don't call it alchemy, you know, in our tradition. We call it Kabbalah mm -hmm. in Hebrew or the divine knowledge or the hidden knowledge, which is uh, the, or the hidden science. And the initiates who were the high priests and the priests of Israel, you know what I'm saying, who sat on uh, uh, sat in the temple to mm -hmm. disseminate uh, the Most High's law, statutes and, and, and judgments. Uh, these men had to f go through um, an initiate process to find themselves worthy to obtain this knowledge. And then they had to go through another process to be worthy to expound and to orally expound and, 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 and create expositions on the information. You're exactly right. You know, that's yep. why it was only for an elect group of people. And I'm going to show this in my presentation. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to break it all down. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm going to do open heart surgery on it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yes. I'm and, really uh, good at helping. So Yeah, but uh, that was just, you know, a little bit what you were saying, to pick it back what you were saying. But go ahead, brother. Yep. All right. So um, with that with that being said on the notes that you were hitting there, um, I find it mighty curious because, I mean, this is this is on the subject of alchemy, yet I was on a different subject, and it's and it's crazy how this kind of goes back into each other. All right, so in the uh, eighteen in the eighteen hundreds, uh, the eighteenth century, uh, in order for you to be a a priest or a bishop or the pope, as far as Catholicism and everything begot from that, as far as Christianity and all that, all the religions that came after, that in order to be a man of such status, you had to be an ordained alchemist, and they do not tell you that so freely anymore. You have to look for that truth. Um, I find it mighty curious how. Just, go ahead. Not only that, not only uh, to, um, not only for positions of clergy, but also in any high position all throughout society. I've noticed that based on my research. Yes. Not just you know the the, the religious side of it. Mm -hmm. Politicians, medical doctors, number one, they have to study alchemy. Yes, I found this out. They have to. They I cannot. Did not yes, know that. they study alchemy to the highest level. They have to. Uh, I think they study um, Paracelsus. You know. Oh yes. Yes, they have to study that. Yeah, that's a part of the curriculum. Really? Yes. yes. And um, you know, um, uh, like I said, politicians, uh, judges, you know, any priestly high position, they they like that. Like you said, they have to study this information. You know, and it's not really available to the to the public. You know, because it was for an initiate group. And it's up for the public to, to sit, you know, to understand wisdom, knowledge, and understanding to, you know, decipher it. But uh, go ahead, brother. Yeah, we'll see. I've, right I've, I've, with that. Yeah, you uh, indeed. Um, what I've found, uh, like I said, you know, by looking at things more scientifically, I see that I've, I, I feel as though I see the truth more clearly. And um, for example, you know, in in science, they they teach you that you know if something if you if you change the variable in your controlled experiment and it's different every time but the end result is always the same no matter what the variable you put it through then that's known as a scientific law or effect so therefore it's true it holds true is what that means so i've looked for the same similarities in religion as diverse as they are 
because I know how, um, no matter how obscured the truth is, that the truths will remain the same. Because even in the great word, it was written that the moral of the story has to remain true. You know, they, I mean, the, right. they can't change the the meat of it, as we was talking right, about. Right, right, right. You can, you can dress it's it forbidden. up. You can try to dress it up, but you can't change the meat. Yep. Yeah. They they have to let the word of God or the word of of the truth. It has to go on through generations. They have to do that. It was like one of their stipulations. However, it's uh, it's funny how they done that because it's almost um, uh, uh, this is just uh, pure speculation here. I almost feel as if they've tried to um, split it up into too many different aspects so that no one will ever realize that it's all in root the same thing. I mean, I guess is what I'm trying to say. When you get to the meat of it, yeah. When you get, you know, get through the contamination. Yes. You know, you can get through the contamination. Then you can grab that, even if it's just a little meat in that particular um, philosophy or ideology or religion. You know, you can take that meat, but don't stop your quest for truth. Exactly. That little meat can go and attach itself to other meats that you find in other ideologies or, 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 or understanding. Exactly. But there's one core root of the meat, and I'm going to get to that core root where all the meat is at. And you put all those little bits and pieces of meat, and you put it on that, and it's just one big you know, slab of meat, that it comes from one source. One source, and that's yes. what we that's what we get into in this dialogue. Yeah, and that's how I'm actually um, ecstatic to be here. Um, I've been been wanting to do this all week. I've been ready for it. Oh it's yeah, because I was, um, I, was, I was I was hyped up for it myself, man. Yeah, I love I love to learn. You know, I'm I'm a huge fan of knowledge, and more so, I guess, uh, truth. I'm a big fan of truth. So, any any chance I get to have another perspective or another um, another thing brought to light or to my attention, it's only going to strengthen you. It's only yes, it's only going to make what I know and what I do that much more worth it and beneficial in the end. Um, so uh, what uh, another thing I was wanted to say. So whenever um, they were speaking earlier of how the uh, the salts or the elixir was also referred to or you know um, equated to Jesus Christ if you take um, par se uh, the man Jesus Christ you know we all see him and see the pictures of him as this man who walked on earth um, however they was uh, more or less um, for what is it it's called I've got it wrote down here um, kind of an allegorical, okay, this is like an allegorical sense, okay, or um, pick, um, where they use pictures to describe um, more things than one even. Right, it's encoded. Yes, so, um, for example, uh, back on the red bird subject, whenever uh, they spoke of a red bird, it might not even been a bird at all, it might not have been an animal at all, it might have been um, a red gas, something that was in the air as a bird, but the color of red. Um, because they also speak of a green lion. We've never seen a green lion, yet they could have been talking about uh, an element or a, a rock, maybe, that is green-shaped that's found on Earth where the lion's feet are planted. You know, um, so you've really got to broaden the way that you see the words that you take in because if you don't, you'll easily get confused and, I mean, it, it's, it will shy people away from it. You know, absolutely. So, um, my goal is to help, kind of, and I'm. I hope I'm not um, going against uh, 
the practice of alchemy at root because uh, you're not supposed to give off such information so freely. But um, you know, I brought you this uh, dead sea salt as a as a token of my appreciation for having me on here. Oh man, no, no problem. And man. having so, me over. Um, yeah, I got some. I got some salt here. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so what is this? What he is holding. Explain to the audience what this is. Yeah, what he's got in his hand is um, I had actually done some research and I paid some locals uh, from around that area just to go and hand harvest some of the Dead Sea salt from the Dead Sea. And the reason for that is because in alchemy they, they work with the most natural sources available. It was supposed to be used um, only uh, with and about nature. You wasn't supposed to use no man-made elements or chemicals that that you produced right. to perform alchemy. All natural elements. Yes. It was okay. supposed to be 100% from the Mother Earth. So Africa. Yes. Africa, okay. That's so the, the thing I wanted to bring to light is the reason that I brought that for him and he's holding that in his hand right now is because uh, Jesus was a man who performed miracles, okay? He, uh, it was uh, stated that he could walk on water. You know, he could heal the blind. Um, there's uh, many things said about this man. You know, he had 12 disciples. You know, that, I mean, they, they keep going on, you know, but if you look at those as more or less a description of an element and not a man... And if you do a good enough research, you'll come upon the same conclusion I did, and that is um, the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is what they were referring to. It is the uh, only place on Earth that has 12 elements or minerals that are located within it that are not found elsewhere on the entire planet. Um, And uh, the funny thing about that is, you know, on the the, uh, chemistry chart that we have today, they have that one section that they've kind of removed and placed underneath it to the side. It's called the rare earth metals. Yeah. Like the monoatomic elements. The uh, periodic table, right? Yes, the periodic table. So they've got like um, rhodium, iridium, monoatomic gold. Right. And uh, all those those metals there. Yes. All those, they call those rare earth metals and they actually state the reason that they move those out into the side is because they're so rare you'll never find them on earth. Mm. Yet using alchemy and this dead sea salt here, mm-hmm. you can produce those said elements that we are lacking from our our diet and our you know, way of life. Interesting. Yeah, I just wanted to throw that one out there. Because those 12 elements that are located within that through an alchemical process can... Um, you know, salt is um, it's a solid, but it can be broke down into every little um, single cell that it's composed of. You know, or every little microscopic uh, portion of it can be broke down into a water or a solvent. Mm-hmm. So by adjusting um, uh, the acidity level or the pH level naturally of that water, you allow only certain elements that it was broken down into to re-adhere and form back together making a new element Mm. and um, one of the uh, processes in the great work is actually stated um, that you cannot perform or do yourself that only God can do so on that whole portion of that process you literally can do nothing but wait and whenever I first performed this it blew me away because I was curious you know I got up to that 
por- that that portion of the quiz, you know, or mm-hmm. that that test, you know, mm-hmm. of faith, I guess you could say. Right. Because I'd worked up to that point, and I'm like, okay, now what's supposed to happen? You know, I'm sitting here looking at this this glass, like what what's That's going? How you know, it's out of your hands at that point. Yeah, exactly. You know, and um, <laughs> so um, whenever I'd uh, first done this, you know, and and used this dead sea salt, it made the water turn to a milk. It looked like milk. And um, it was pretty interesting because as I sat there over time, you know, I would come back and I would check on it periodically. And I noticed that it was naturally separating itself. And the only, um, the only thing that, that, could, that was doing it was the gravity of our Earth. And I thought I was curious how they said that, you know, you can't do that, only God can. Right. And then, you know, that's whenever it broadened my whole spectrum up to, wait, what if they was talking about our planet as a god you know not that he is the omnipresent omnipotent and and the creator of all because that that don't get that confused because they they believed in the creator of all right who created um lords and and kings and gods and he created everything absolutely Absolutely. you know in in their place too you know right What, what what you're trying to get at is that the earth is an aspect of divinity exactly us as man and woman are an aspect of that same divinity that same power that infallible power you know we all are aspects but that divinity is not confined to that body because it's without space and time yes most definitely and, on, hey we on we on one accord baby yep, it's on fire on the today same man page. yes indeed yeah because yeah, it has been said that you know we cannot see we cannot see our lord for he is hidden within his light and we cannot see our light, for it is hidden within us. And I just, I thought that was a pretty interesting uh, quote. I forget who actually I've quoted that from now, but oh, wow. yeah, I just, uh, that really meant something to me when I heard that. Right, well, we got it on record, so we'll, we'll find it. Yeah, All after right. the program, we definitely uh, get it to that. Uh, okay, brother, well, hey, a um, few things that I, I've taken from your presentation there. Um, Proverbs 13, uh, Proverbs 3, verse 13 to uh, through 20 and that's that's interesting that you said uh, that led you to uh, that verse there especially verse 20 uh, to be specific that it led you uh, you see it as it was insinuating the great work yes and you're right so I'm going to now take you to that great work okay okay we're going to go to everybody turn your books to Proverbs chapter 3 and we're going to start reading at the 19th verse and it reads, And Yahweh founded the earth with wisdom. He established the heavens with understanding. Through his knowledge, the depths were cleaved and the heavens dripped dew. So the knowledge, although you were trying to uh, break that down, but you understood that it comes from this. The knowledge and the wisdom that he used to create the earth was the Torah. The Torah. The Torah. Wow. Because there's 22 letters in the Hebraic alphabet. Those 22 letters uh, have a numerical value to each letter. Like Aleph, which is the A sound, is one. Bet, the B sound, two. And you go all the way down to the last letter. And when you put these... um, numbers together you will you will see that 
um, the hands of the creator is encoded within within the Hebraic language. It's so beautiful. But the, that wisdom that Proverbs chapter 3 verse 20 is referring to is referring to the Torah. He created the heavens and earth with the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of the Torah. And the Torah is written in the Hebrew language. It's written as those, those 22 letters. Within those 22 letters, and within those 22 letters, it shows that with his hands, he created the heavens and the earth and the universe. Wow. Yeah. So, um, so now I'm um, going to my presentation. So in a nutshell, um, and I thought, you know, initially I thought you were um, a proponent of the modern day uh, alchemy in which but you, it was interesting at the beginning of the of the, sh of the show you said that you deal with 1600s or earlier yes so now that lets me know that you don't deal with the this new revised form of alchemy right that they that most of these alchemists on YouTube or you know these guys that pushed alchemy it's just a bunch of mixture of of, of, of God worship and things of that nature yeah and you're trying to make gold for money and right I'm not, I'm right not, okay yeah. okay okay <laughs> good thing good thing yeah I'm not about that yeah because a lot of the foundations of uh, western alchemy was based in that yes exactly it's for over so, greed you know it's for greed it, right you know and it, it, that's it's crazy because that's entirely against one of the main commandments you know it, you know it's right right you know it's I don't know. It's you know, uh, 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 dishonest ways and measures. Because uh, if that was a principle in alchemy, I was going to highlight that and say, well, if you're trying to uh, turn a base metal like lead into gold, then that's deception. Exactly. Yeah. You're doing it for gain. That's greed. Exactly. And now only that three, you're perverting justice. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so at that note, I knew. Okay, if he's a modern day alchemist, I didn't know I was meant to ask you that uh, mm -hmm. when we initially uh, talked, but. Now that I see that you 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 know you you you're trying to find you're trying to get to the truth, and I like that about you. That's why I brought you on. Then we're going to get to this truth, and uh, it's good that you brought up proverbs. That was beautiful, man. How you brought up proverbs, and that's what led you to the uh, the great work. And but that verse right there, where he says through his knowledge, is talking about the Torah. The Torah. The Torah, and the his Torah knowledge. consists of the the the, uh, the written and the oral. And see, with most of our our, our people that are um, proponents of the Bible. They only seen it through the first level of understanding. They only interpreting the scriptures, which I understand because we need those basic. You know, it's just like school. You know, you, you need kindergarten, first grade before you can get to twelfth grade. You feel what I'm saying? So yes. kindergarten is very important. Yes, you know, I can I can have a calculus book and and, and open it up. Although it's that's very great. That's great information. But to a two year old like my, I got a two year old daughter. She, it means nothing to her right if you don't know what comes it, after 10 it means nothing it's useless yeah. you know it's, yeah. it's, it's useless information at least to her for yes. the, at that time of, in her life until she matures and grows and her minds become developed to get the information so that level of, 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 of uh, doctorials or religion or whatever we need that level the, very, the level is very important but with this truth we must not be stagnant our being is not made for us to be stagnant or static because we're energy we our soul is energy yes vibration you know, it's vibration yes. you know what i'm saying and i actually on my last program and i'll, I'll let you um listen to it when we get an uh, opportunity to uh i was speaking about that i went into that uh real 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 heavy and so forth so this you know uh, i'm glad that you 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 highlight that for me that you're not a you know deal with this modern day alchemy because i can kind of jump over that a lot of that stuff all right and so forth yeah so that's 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 uh that's good uh real quick to, to touch base on what you're just saying you know it's i find it mighty curious that on that same note you know 
that said that um, a lot of the passages of the word would be sealed away until the time was right. And what, what I've come to understand is that I was talking about technology. You know, there's a lot of things that it mentions. You know, we assume that they, you know, sticks and stones and wrote this with some clay. And no, no, we assume that they had no technology. They had, you know, that they were beneath us because it was before us. And that is that is entirely wrong. Their their technology and understanding of life actually at their present, at their given time versus our present time, was abundantly more well-rounded and more thorough than what we do today. And whenever we we look into the Bible, there's a lot of things that it, it'll speak of. And you know, I remember even as a kid, some of it didn't make sense. But now that we've got all this technology. A lot more of it is, is starting to come clear and make more sense, and that only means that they 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 had to have had that technology back then. They wasn't as primitive as 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 we're being led on. They did, they absolutely did. So I'm about to go uh, to my presentation, and um, now that I know what, what where you stand, uh, for my audience, um, if you guys ever um, bump into or anybody that's teaching alchemy, I want to. Put the pre I got the presentation set up as to show the difference between truth and falsehood in this particular science of modern day alchemy. And I'm going to show you where the falsehoods are at that this brother does not stand on. But a lot of brothers that teach, that teach this do stand on the um, perverted teaching of it. All right. So um, and when I when I study anything, you know, I like to go into its origins on the subject matter. You know, I like to go to the foundation, you know what I'm saying, the, the, the pioneers. And uh, one of the major pioneers uh, that we, we both was talking about earlier is um, Paracelsus. Paracelsus, uh, he was a pioneer in several aspects uh, of the medical revolution. I call it the medical de-evolution, but uh, this, I like that. this is the, uh, the time during the Renaissance period. He is the father of toxicology. A physician and a alchemist, he developed the world's first vaccine. Paracelsus pioneered the use of chemicals and metals in pharmaceuticals and, med and modern medicines. Thus, this is why the study was called toxicology. Keep that in mind, people, toxicology. He said that the formula of sulfur, mercury, and salt contains the poisons contributing to all diseases. He was also a student of Hermeticism, which made him an alchemist. And also, one of the key symbols in modern day alchemy is the symbol for copper, which is the circle with the cross. Is that correct? Is originally derived from the ancient Egyptian and the ancient Israelite symbol called the Ankh. In Meduneta language or the hieroglyphic language of the Egyptians and Anak in Hebrew the Anak symbol represented the key of life in Hebrew the key of life represented a measuring rod this key of life which was a measuring tool and referred to as the feminine I'm gonna go to the book of Amos real quick the book of Amos let's go to the book of Amos real quick Go. Book of Amos, chapter 7. Amos, chapter 7. And we're going to start reading 
at the seventh verse. And it reads, Thus did he show me, behold, the Most High standing on a plumbed wall with a plumb line in his hand. Verse 8, And the Most High said to me, What do you see, Amos? I said, A plumb line. This is Amos speaking. A plumb line. Then the Most High then said, Behold, I am placing a plumb line in the midst of my nation Israel. I will no longer continue to forbear them. Hold it right there. So the word for plumb line in Hebrew is anuk or anak. Anak. And when you study etymology and the linguistics is the same, at least dealing with this term as in Medoneta, which is the language of the Egyptians. And they spell it A-N-K, we spell it A-N-K. We just pronounce it different. We say anak, they say ank. And it's referring to a plumb line. And a plumb line is, has a circle with the cross onto it to measure the straightness of an object. Wow. So now, so it, and, and also it's, it's, it's also symbolizing strict and measured judgment. A plumb line is a tool that measures the strictness or the straightness of an object. The Most High was judging the nation of Israel in this particular chapter and verse according to the key of life which is referred to as a feminine principle or an ankh or a knock. Okay? So, the divine feminine principle that represents life is wisdom or in Hebrew, hakmah in Hebrew or ma'at in Medoneta or the Egyptian language. That's why they have a feminine uh, deity that represents their wisdom system which is their law. That's why it's called the laws of ma'at. So, in ancient Egyptian wisdom, the laws are named after a goddess representing the feminine. I will show you in the Holy Scriptures that this divine feminine key of life, which is called wisdom. Let's go there. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 8, verse 2. <coughs> Proverbs chapter 8, verse 2. We're going to start reading at the first verse. Surely wisdom will call out and understanding will rise her voice or raise her voice atop the heights along the way at the place where pathways diverge. She stands near the gateways of the city at the approach to its entrance. She cries out. Hold it right there. So in the, in the scriptures, it's referring to wisdom as a she because it's the feminine principle. Let's, let's go on. Um, let's go on to verse down to verse 12. And it'll say, and she will identify who she is. And it says, I am wisdom. I dwell in cleverness. I provide knowledge of designs. Fear of Yah is hatred of evil. I hate pride and arrogance, the way of evil and with me is might. Through me, kings will reign and nobles will decree righteousness. Through me, officials will rule and nobles all who judge righteously. Hold it right there. So that's what the key of life or that unk represent. It represents wisdom. So now, what is wisdom? We're gonna go to let's go to the Torah, which is the five books of, of the Most High. Deuteronomy chapter four, verse five. 
I'm going to do Rhyme Chapter 4 verse 5. And then quick. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 5. And it reads. See I have taught you laws, statutes and judgments. As Yahweh my Elohim has commanded me. To do so in the midst of the land to which you come to possess. Alright. It goes on to say. You shall safeguard and perform them. For it is your wisdom it is your wisdom and discernment in the eyes of the peoples who shall hear all these laws and who will who shall say surely a wise and discerning people is this great nation hold it right there so now i just broke down what wisdom is the wisdom are the law statutes commandments which make up the torah that's what the ankh symbol represents in ancient egypt and in ancient israel that's why i'm gonna go to uh, zosimos what he said <clears throat> in one of his books and um, let's see if I can get it real quick uh, real quick um, yeah go ahead bro uh, could that also be uh, referred to as the weights of the wise the balance scales yes yes the weights of the wise the weights of the wise that's I've, what it's referring I've, to yep. I've seen that um, mentioned a lot in alchemy okay let's go to uh, Zosimos okay Zosimos According to Zosimos, uh, or Zosimos, Zosimos, for y'all who don't know who Zosimos is, Zosimos was a was the earliest known author on alchemy and the philosopher's stone. And in a book called one of his books that he wrote called the True Book of Sophie, the Egyptian, and of the Divine Master of the Hebrews, he wrote, "End quote." There are two sciences and two wisdoms, that of the Egyptians and that of the Hebrews, though the Hebrews is confirmed by divine justice. The science and wisdom of the most excellent, which are the Hebrews, dominate the one and the other. Both originate in olden times. Their origin is without a king, autonomous and immaterial. It is not concerned with the material and corruptible bodies it operates without submitting to strange influences supported by prayer and divine grace and quote hold it right there so even the pioneer and the first one to to to, to write on alchemy and the philosopher's stone understood that the two wisdoms are the origins of what he um, perpetuates comes from the Egyptians and the Hebrews and he said the Hebrews were more superior because they had the, the divine justice aspect intertwined within their wisdom oh you don't stop there he goes on to say um, according to Zosimos the Egyptians and the Israelites possessed the greatest science and wisdom but the Israelites is rendered more sound by divine justice hold it right there he said that again so if the foundation of the alchemic science comes from the Hebrews or the Israelites in which I'm a student in that tradition then we have to go into that science to put everything in proper perspective yeah, for sure. so 
I'm going to go into that science. So, um, we now see that when the ancient Greeks got a hold of the divine hidden science or knowledge, they infused Greek idolatry into the sacred wisdom of the Israelites and the Egyptians. That's why we now see that the modern day form of alchemy is not the present form or the purest form of this divine science. This divine science has been contaminated with idolatry, black magic, and sorcery. And I'm going to prove this. Um, <clears throat> in Jeremiah chapter 10 verse 2, it says, Do not learn the ways of the heathens or the ways of the nations. And in the book of Leviticus, in the Torah, Leviticus chapter 18 verse 3, it says, Do not follow the ways of Egypt. Meaning Egypt had the same science, but they added deities to the divine attributes of the creator. And that's what Israel could not do coming out of Egypt. Because they were supposed to give all the source and understanding to the creator. So we see that modern day alchemy has two main objectives. Number one is to transmute base metals into precious metals such as lead into gold. Number two is to obtain eternal life through a concept called the philosopher's stone so from a basic point of view alchemy is all about obtaining material wealth and trying to be young forever in this life I'm talking about modern alchemy which are vanity earthly pursuits which is the very base when it comes to the true form of the divine source which is encoded in the Torah we see that the physical science aspect of alchemy is the forerunner to modern day science and chemistry through experimental compounds and alchems. The second aspect of alchemy is the metaphysical or the spiritual aspect of alchemy. Am I right? Okay, the esoteric or the spiritual aspect is conveying the transmutation of the human soul and it's talking about the pursuit of a higher consciousness taking the human soul from a base creature like that lead that base metal creature focus on material gain to a person of high consciousness and philosophy according to the scriptures the sacred divine knowledge of the soul was not about eternal life of the body during the corporal or the natural lifespan but rather it focuses on developing the etheric body or in Hebrew we call it the nefesh or the soul the soul which is called the etheric body or the nefesh the nefesh is the part of us that endures after death it is the part of us which is aligned or in alignment with the most high with the divine source as you would say in Hebrew it's Yahweh the infallible one the infinite one the Elohim from which we all come from the creator of the heavens and earth and man the soul is the part of us that will never cease to exist so developing the soul or the nefesh reminds us that we are supposed to be more than fear-based people on this planet it means that our life has much more deeper meaning than the mundane things that we are taught to accept in this society the wisdom is supposed to teach us to never be stagnant, to never be static. 
we're supposed to be continually evolving and growing and changing into a higher state of morality, wisdom, and understanding. That if we evolve back into the image of our creator, the most high, that we will get the fullness of that meaning. With that being said, I will now demonstrate the pure teachings of so-called alchemy, which the Torah doesn't call it that. The name of the hidden divine science in Hebrew is called Kabbalah, which means hidden or mystery. Now, first off, I want to say, I want to let the audience know that I am by any any means I am not a practitioner of the uh, Kabbalistic science I'm just a student alright my teacher Abadiel Ben Levy my mentor my teacher he is 25 years deep in the Kabbalic science I'm, I'm, I'm a beginners level student of his alright so for those of you who are interested in learning that in information you can almost e you can always email me at trueandliving7 at gmail.com we'll get into that later alright but uh what I'm going to do is, is, is just give out a, a basic overview, a basic understanding of this science. All right? Any questions, brother, before uh, I go into actually, it? Actually, yeah, real quick. You know, you was talking about um, uh, basically, you know, what is it? It, I forget how you worded it, but it was it was beautifully worded, however. Um, it was uh, about the, the knowledge attained, you know. Um, like, for example, whenever you buy a new computer and that hard drive that you get, it has a certain weight to it, but after you've used it for a year or two, you know, it has more weight. You could go and weigh the same same piece of equipment, it has more weight. It's because that information, that data that's collected actually has a weight to it. Uh, the reason I'm saying this is, um, do you know that at the moment of death, there's an unaccounted for weight that we lose at, at our moment of death? They don't know where it goes. But you can weigh a, a person's body right before they pass away and then immediately after, and they weigh less. And you want to know why that is, I believe. I believe that the reason that that person weighs less is because all their information and who they are collectively and their yeah. conscience has left their body. It's no longer with them. It's transitioned. Yes. Yeah. So that goes into you know what you're saying. There is most definitely something after life. The big question is, where is it that we're going Right, and we're going to get there. Let's um, turn with me to the book of Zechariah, the book of Zechariah, chapter 13. And we're going to start reading at the seventh verse. And we're going to deal with the, um, what you call, how you call it, Melagur? Melagur? Yes. Yeah, we're going to deal with the Melagur, or the first aspect of alchemy, all right, which is dealing with uh, metals. And how we're gonna it's gonna break down how the Israelites, the ancient Israelites, broke down uh, metals and, and and so forth. All right, and it reads uh, Zechariah chapter thirteen, starting at the seventh verse, and it reads, "O sword, arouse yourself against my shepherd and against the man who is my colleague. The word of Yahweh, Master of Hosts, strike the shepherd and let the flock disappear. And I will turn my hand against the lesser leaders." There will be in all the land the word of Yah. Two portions of the population will be cut off and perished, and the third will be left in it. Verse 9. I will bring that third into fire and purity. It is as one purifies silver, and I will refine it as one refines gold. It will call out in my name, and I will answer it. I have said, 
it is my people and it will say Yahweh is my Elohim hold it right there so now we get into that anthropomorphic or allegorical science that we talked about earlier yes it's the Israelites when they dealt with metals from a tradesman's uh, point of view they dealt with it from its purity so they, they never mixed metals because they knew the mixture would, would make it of less value or worthless right so they kept it pure so in order for it to be pure that gold to be pure that silver to be pure they go through a refinement process called dross dross okay so we just read in Zechariah and you can read also in Ezekiel chapter 22 verse 17 through 22 we can read in the Holy Scriptures that dross symbolizes impurity that I just read dross is often used as a metaphor for a spiritual contaminant in the Most High's people that's why I said son of man the people of Israel are the worthless slag that remains after silver is smelted they are dross that is left over which is a useless mixture of copper, tin, iron, and lead. That's the book of Ezekiel. So the Holy Scriptures say that the Most High judges wicked people who corrupt the whole of society and removes them like dross is removed from molten metal. That's Psalms 119, 119. Psalms 119, 119. Also, the refinement process of dross dross describes what is base or worthless there is no dross or contamination in the most high's word you can also read in the book of psalms chapter 12 verse 6 so now let's deal with the second aspect of modern day alchemy which is the sacred science in the scriptures is called the kabbalah which is the tree of life which deals with the nefesh or the soul and the blueprint to eternal life the formula to eternal life which is the tree of life what modern day alchemy is today represents the tree of knowledge of good and evil which the most high warns us to eat from he warned us in Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 through 17 let's go there the book of Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 through 17 and it reads and Yahweh took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden to work it and to guard it and Yahweh commanded the man saying of the tree of the garden you may freely eat but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you must not eat thereof for in that day you eat of it you shall surely die hold it right there so now we're gonna deal with the tree of life not a mixture of righteousness with idolatry, witchcraft, and black magic, which leads to the tree of death. All right? So now we're going to get into the divine science of the ancient Israelites, which is called the Kabbalah. So in the Kabbalah, the Kabbalah deals with the divine attributes, the ten divine attributes of the Creator. Or the, uh, the faculties Okay The first one I'm going to put to the side For now And it's called Ketir in Hebrew or crown Which is the infinite will Of the most high Which is beyond human comprehension So I'm going to leave that one For the practitioners 
of the uh, the the Kabbalah to expound on. But what I'm going to do is break down a very basic overview of this divine science. Once again, I'm only a student at the beginner's level. I'm not an initiate or a practitioner of this knowledge. All right? I'm going to leave that up to for my teacher and mentors. All right? But I will break down nine of the faculties of the Most High. And these faculties of the Most High serve as a blueprint for human spiritual transcendence. All right? The first one is Hakmah in Hebrew, which is wisdom, as I've explained earlier in the book of Ze- uh, Zechariah and in, in uh, Proverbs. And wisdom is the initial seed of an idea. This attributes enable us to be creative and to spiritually transcend. Number two is Bina, which is understanding. This faculty is for the development of ideas, which enables us to be logical, analytical, and organized. Number three, Hesed, which is kindness. This attribute is a power that enables us to love and look kindly upon others, to be generous, optimistic, and sociable. Number four, Givura, which is justice or strength. This faculty is the power of discipline and restraint. It enables us to be calculated cautious, serious, and to make sound judgment. Number five, the Tiferet, a Tiferet, which means beauty. Beauty is the attribute to empathize and to harmonize kindness with strictness based on the needs of others. It enables us to be balanced, empathetic, and harmonious. Number six is netzak. Netzak, which means endurance. The power of determination, overcoming challenges. This attribute enables us to be persistent, forceful, and daring. Number seven, Hod. Hod, which is glory. This attribute represents humility, gratitude, and submitting to a higher cause. It enables us to be thankful, devoted, and accommodating. Number eight, Yasad. Yasad means foundation. And this faculty it focuses on the focus of others and to build genuine relationships. It enables us to be selfless and loyal. And number nine, which is Malchut, Malchut, which means royalty or kingdom. And this attribute, this is an attribute of rulership and leadership, how to be receptive to others. It enables us to manifest all of the divine attributes in real time. It enables us to practically apply the unseen 
and convert them into material in this world to benefit all of mankind and the Most High's creation. And this leads us to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, dealing with Adam. Adam had this attribute within him. And Yah commanded him to exude this attribute. The book of Genesis, or the book of Better Sheep, chapter 1, we're going to read the 26th verse, and it reads, And the Most High said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. They shall rule over the fish of the sea. They shall rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and over the animals, the whole earth, and every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So Elohim created man in his image. In the image of Elohim, he created him male and female. He created them. Hallelujah. And this, these ten sephirots in Hebrew, these ten faculties, make up the image of the divine infallible one, which we call Yahweh. Hallelujah. That's the end of my presentation, brother. And I hope this is very insightful to the listening audience out there. I hope you took down a lot of notes. We went over, and that was just, you know, <laughs> scratching the surface. Like, we could do this all day. Oh, yeah. You know, I could, we, we'd be here three, four, five hours, but, you know, we got families to attend to. So, you know, um, any, any last words, brother? I, I've enjoyed this, man. Oh, uh, yeah, most definitely. Um, it's been a pleasure. I've learned, I feel like I've learned quite a bit since I've been here. It's been very informative, and um, I'm naturally inquisitive by nature, so that's. That's awesome to have somebody go through into so much detail, you know, um, a couple of things that I, I hadn't really had also, to Also, I want to show yet. you the, um, the diagram of the 10 sephirots that I just uh, expounded upon. Okay. This is um, the diagram. And for all of you, uh, the listening audience, I will send you a diagram via email of what I'm showing my beloved brother here of the tree of life. That I've just expounded on dealing with the ten attributes of the of the image of the Most High. And you see, you have wisdom and understanding at the top. Wisdom and understanding. Yeah, and you go all the way down to the material. Okay, I see. Yeah, and that's just a basic outline. Yeah, the basic outline. Yeah. Of, yes, indeed. And yeah, I'm gonna have to. Yeah, I'm gonna have to polish up on some. You know, I'm gonna have to. Yeah. You have to teach me the word. And this is the wisdom that the pioneers of alchemy were trying to decipher. They did the best that they could decipher, but because they were initiates of that knowledge, they just interpreted it from the Greek perspective. Right. Yeah. Which was very flawed, as I've expounded upon. Yeah. Um, if uh, anybody's uh, interested in looking up some uh, good websites, I have a couple of good links. Uh, you want me to leave them with you or uh, yeah go ahead and expand uh, go ahead and give the uh, listener audience that information all right um one that i would check out it's a uh, sacred hyphen um that's a pretty informative website another one i use is a uh, crucible c-r-u-c-i-b-l-e dot org um there's also a alchemy website dot com um plain enough um, there's another one. Um, it's levity, L-E-V-I-T-Y, dot com. Those would be uh, a few websites I would look into. Um, a couple of those do have 16th century and earlier texts. 
um, pertaining to many matters. Um, you can find all kinds of um, uh, writers there. Uh, we got Aristotle. Um, some of them will have Francis Bacon, who um, I, I'm not sure if any of y'all know uh, Francis Bacon or the the Shakespearean Bacon uh, Bacon theory. The the whole concept of that is that Francis Bacon was an actual alchemist, and whenever he wrote um, a few plays, one being Romeo and Juliet, that's been popular. He had actually hidden the key or the process of the great work within the play and signed off as William Shakespeare spelling his name, his last name, wrong deliberately. And it wasn't until many years later when they were looking at the, um, the originals they noticed that his name, Shakespeare, was spelled incorrectly. And they were like, why would he spell his own name wrong? Yeah, we'll come to find out he was actually an alchemist. So. Okay. Yeah, keep an open mind because you're going to run into alchemists um, frequently if you if you go looking for them. Okay. And uh, a lot of times it'll catch you off guard. You won't even know. Yeah. No, it's coming. Well, yeah, y'all check out those uh, those websites that he uh, he's referring to, and um, and also I'm gonna be you know hooking you up with a lot of homework and information dealing with uh Kabbalah, deal. dealing with the scriptures and so forth, man. And uh, you know, it's been um. A beautiful conversation we're having, man. It's just, it's, it's just, you know, I don't want it to end. But before we go, um, I want to give one more scripture out, you know what I'm saying, so y'all can take home with y'all. And um, turn with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 9. Um, and we're going to start reading at um, verse 22. And it reads, Thus says Yah, Let not the wise man glorify himself with his wisdom, and let not the strong man glorify himself with his strength. Let not the rich man glorify himself with his wealth, for only with this may one glorify himself with, contemplating and knowing me, for I am Yahweh, who does kindness, justice, and righteousness in the land, for in these is my desire, the word of Yah. Also, chapter 10, verse 2, it reads, Thus says Yah, Do not learn from the ways of the nations. Do not be frightened by the signs of the heavens, though the nations are frightened by them, for the practices of the nations are foolish. For one takes wood that he cut down from the forest and fashioned by an artisan within the base, and embellishment embellishes it with silver and gold, fastens it with nails and hammers so that it does not come apart. They are like a sculpted palm tree. They do not speak. They are carried about, for they cannot walk. Do not fear them, for they cannot do harm, nor can they do good. Hallelujah. That's, That's been my show for today, words. ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I want to, you know, give all thanks to my guests for coming on the, on the program. Hey, I'm Brother, glad to be here. It's been a delight, man. You know what I'm saying? Y'all can hit me up on uh, trueandliving7 at gmail.com. Also, uh, the Paradigm Shift at anchorfm.com. Tune in weekly. And uh, it's been a pleasure. Until next time, peace.